All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Daily Face-Off podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Daily Faceoff podcast, presented to you by our friends at Odd Shark and Jock Market. I'm Brock Segan. Uh, with me, as always, we've got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Uh, before I throw it to them, I would just like to uh, first extend an apology for not recording an episode last week. Just the schedules were not lining up properly. Um, and then I had planned to do an episode on Tuesday just to recap the trade deadline that fell through as well. So now we are back here today uh, to recap a little bit of the trade deadline and then talk a little bit about uh, the fantasy hockey playoffs and and what you can do to further uh, your chances of moving on and and winning a championship this year. So as I mentioned, I'm joined by Dylan D. Berthiam and Michael Buse Bondi. D, how's it going, bud? Happy to be here, Brock. Um, Just got off the golf course for what apparently will be the last time in about six weeks. Swinging D. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's tough times here, but, um, could be tougher, I guess. And, uh, we'll get through it. Right guys. We will. We will. Luckily, um, hockey keeps going. That's, uh, that's one thing that's going to keep me sane. I've even started to get KHL games. Uh, this beads, by the way, doing great today, Brock. Um, not doing that great. Um, obviously as you mentioned, everything's a little, a little down here, but, um, you know, let's, uh, let's just overdo it with video games and, uh, uh, beers. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just mentioned in uh, one of our group chats that I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go out and spend just an absolute fortune on, on beer and buy a couple new video games and just hang with the fellas on, on there because it's really all we've got at this point. It was the, uh, this is the first time I've ever had a golf membership. I know I mentioned it back a couple weeks ago and then for it to just get <laughs> shut down. And then like, so honestly, your fault. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I've played four rounds so far, and like my last two rounds this week is some of the best golf I've ever played in my life. And I'm like, man, this this is gonna be my year. Like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a scratch golfer this year. I'm just gonna light it up, and then the whole world shuts down. I'm like, Brock can't get anything. Like he tries to marry a girl, COVID steps in. He tries to get yeah. good at golf, COVID steps in. Um yeah, please don't do anything that involves me. I don't want to get canceled out by COVID, Brock. <laughs> yeah, just shutting it down. I've been just ruining everybody's life. Yeah. But uh, all right. So like I said at the top of the show here, we are going to break down the trade deadline and everything that it brought us. Uh, it obviously opened up a few avenues um, in terms of players uh, that you know could become a little bit more fantasy relevant uh, because of their trade. A lot of the Brought players that we talked, no. we talked about, um, we've kind of already covered these guys, I suppose. Like we, we talked about how they were most likely going to get traded and, and what it could do uh, for their fantasy prospects. And actually some of the players that did get traded did end up going to the teams that we were suggesting. Uh, so we have kind of already covered this. So we're going to go over it quickly. Um, and just a reminder for some of the people, um, you know, if they are unaware of who got traded where. So uh, we will start with the trade that happened uh, basically a couple days before the deadline. So obviously it's not brand new news, but Kyle Palmieri uh, and Travis Sajak were traded to the New York Islanders. Palmieri um, and the Islanders was a fit that we had talked about a few weeks ago and it did end up happening. Unfortunately, what we were talking about was that he would be a perfect fit to replace Anders Lee. Um, So he did get traded there and I still think he's the perfect fit to replace Anders Lee, but it's actually Travis Sajak on the top line right now. Kyle Palmieri is playing with John Gabriel Pajot. Uh, he's not on the first power play unit right now either. So he's just 47% owned. Uh, D, we'll start with you here. Do you think that Palmieri is still worth an ad here this late in the season in the hopes that maybe in his fourth or fifth game with the Islanders, he can get moved up? No, I don't think so. I mean, because really, in the meantime, he's not someone that's, um, you know, worth rostering or, or even um, playing as, as a streaming target if he's only going to be playing 13, 14 minutes a night with uh, Pajot and Wallstrom, right? So um, I, I think, you know, there's no, really no need to, like, to dedicate that roster spot for him. I, I'd toss him on the watch list. Um, keep an eye on, you know, the Islanders lineup on dailyfaceoff.com, Shane plug. Um, Heard of it. And yeah, like I said, it's not someone who in the meantime is really going to be of any use to you. So there's no point uh, in burning the roster spot on the hope that, you know, maybe he gets a few extra minutes and then, you know, maybe gets an extra shot and a half a game and three or four games down the line, plots a goal or two. So I just don't think the upside is is worth that, you know, dedicating a a roster spot to. Yeah, we're at that point in the year right now, too, where you're either in it or you're not. So a lot of teams that are in it, you I, I, I know you believe in this, D. Um, I kind of believe in it. Just a different nightly um, starter. So I don't want to give a roster spot to Paul Mary when I could have, you know, maybe four different guys in in a week. Um, so for me, I, I like how you put it there. Just kind of keep an eye, see where he goes on in the lineup. Again, check it out on Daily Faceoff. Uh, pretty sick website. Um, but yeah, check. Um, if he does go to that, go to the top, I mean, this is a guy perennial 25 plus goal scorer. So, uh, so you could easily help your team a lot in the playoffs in the goal category, which is one where a lot of teams need that help. You can't find that help on the wire, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not doing it right now. So it's more wait and see, wait until it actually happens and uh, just try to beat whoever else is in your league to him on the wire. 
Um, that's about it. I, but for now, I, I don't want any of this. Um, let's just hope, uh, you know, he just kind of fits in the mold. It was working before. There's no reason to give this guy 20 minutes of ice when you're already a top, you know, team in, in your division. So here we are. You know, we could have some uh, breaking news here on the show because as we speak, it is 6.34 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. Uh, the Islanders just hit the ice for warm-ups. No Josh Bailey on the ice for warm-ups. So at least oh, maybe, for, you know, perhaps tonight we could see him move up to the second line. Uh, maybe not the first line, but we could see him move up and replace Josh Bailey on the Brock Nelson line, which at that point would be a little bit more appealing um, than than playing with Pajot. But even that second line doesn't get a whole lot of ice time and he's still not on the top power play unit. So uh, unfortunately it just doesn't look like the move that we were expecting it to be. Um, and the meanwhile, Travis Zajac is the guy that's on that top, that top line, but he just doesn't bring a whole lot yeah. uh, offensively anyway. I uh, think he goes under the category of most top line minutes in the last like five years with the least amount of points. Cause this guy's been on New Jersey's top line for years. Um, he's just always that top line center and he's obviously the top line winger right now. And, york so i'm not buying it zajac not gonna fool me again not your five the real reason he's even up there according to barry trotz was to help matt barzell in the face-off circle somebody that they can kind of phase in and some draws um and then kind of shift to the wing but just uh yeah it, it's it's bizarre i mean if, if i get any news here in the next you know 10 minutes where palmieri's up to the top line i'll definitely let everybody know and then at that point maybe you know you can rush to the wire and pick him up but uh let's talk about um another trade where we we all kind of knew that taylor hall was most likely going to be on the move we did talk about boston being a potential destination uh and that is where he ended up going the return we won't get too much into it (laughs) because obviously it's been kind of uh it's been enough time for us to all kind of digest that but uh the return obviously not as great as one might expect uh but taylor hall basically slots in uh on the second line with uh, David Krejci and Craig Smith. Uh, David Krejci, you know, finally gets two NHL caliber, very talented wingers, I think for the first time in his career. Uh, and it seems like a pretty nice fit for Taylor Hall. You know, he, he even said when he was traded that he's like, you know, I don't want to be like the guy on, on a team. And that's kind of why he said I went to Buffalo because I was behind Jack. And he's like, and now in Boston, he's like, I, you know, obviously I'm for sure not the guy. You've got Bergeron, you got Marshawn, you got Pashnak. So maybe him just settling into a secondary scoring role will fit him a little bit better. Obviously, he has had a pretty good start uh, for the Bruins, but there's not really obviously too much that we can add about Taylor Hall because he is 82% owned. But uh, D, we'll go back to you here quickly. What are your, just your thoughts on the fit for Hall in Boston? Yeah, certainly, um, you know, if you've been patient enough and, and been waiting on this guy all season, it's it's a bit of a reprieve, right? A um, little bit disappointing, uh, although, you know, like we said, expected for him to end up on the second line with Christian Smith. But, um, you know, he's looked good in the first couple of games. But, of course, um, the ice time is just ultimately going to be capped um, when he's playing behind Marshan Bergeron and Pasternak and not um, getting on the top line. So, um, you know, maybe for... I guess from a, a mental standpoint for him, it might be better if he's not the prime guy or not one of the main guys bringing in all the minutes and getting in all, all the power play opportunities. So obviously from a fantasy perspective, that's what we'd prefer. So as far as, you know, potential destinations for Hall uh, go, um, Boston probably not ideal, but certainly could have been worse. Um, still think, you know, certainly definitely worth rostering um, and, and playing on a nightly basis in the second line role. And of course, um, we know what the upside is if he if he is able to um, you know get on the Bergeron line at all. 
Yeah, I think there's going to be a breath of fresh air for Hall, just not having, like you said, not having to face top pair demon because there's no way any team in hell's not putting their top pair demon against that uh, that trio up top. Um, so for Hall, this could be nice, but where I really see it as as a big thing is for, like Brock said, Krejci and Craig Smith. These are two guys who I think uh, Hall really boosts their value because, you know, Hall's value's been higher than it realistically is all year. We're all just kind of waiting on it, on about all of us. But me personally, no one, you know, we haven't been ready to throw in those cards. So this is kind of ideal. Um, but yeah, I do like it a lot more for the wingers around. I think we're just going to kind of get, I don't think I'm not expecting a, over a point per game from this guy, especially not in a second line role. If he can move up to a first line role, get some first line power play minutes. Maybe we start talking about it, but um, even still, there's really no one else with uh, this much upside. That's, you know, been, been moved around. Actually, Mantha, never mind. I take it all back. Um, but yeah, just Taylor Hall. Um, I mean, we said it, other episodes can't get worse. So it, it's going to be a breath fresh air to have people around him, have David Krejci, a, a known playmaker. Um, yeah, I like, I like the deal for Hall. I think, uh, I think he needed this and I think, uh, I think Boston needed this as well. Yeah. And we kind of talked about it, right? Like this is a move that could have happened that that was, you know, we were hoping would happen. And that's why we did that episode a few weeks before the trade deadline said, you know, right now is maybe the time to either, if he is on the way wire, pick him up or buy low on him and hope he does get moved into. So if anybody took that gamble, uh, it should pay off. Obviously things went as bad as they could have in Buffalo, but uh, still a talented player and should get the job done with, with Craig and Craig Smith. Um, all right. One of the most surprising trades. I, I actually, I should say the most surprising trade of the, yeah. Trade what was deadline. your reaction to this? I, uh, I was elated. Um, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I love Anthony Mantha. I, I really like, do. Spot, I always though. have. It, it, like, when it happened, I couldn't believe it. Like, I thought yeah. it was a mistake. I was hesitant to even retweet Kevin Weeks for a second because he said, like, that it was happening. But then he also said it's a first and a second in the trade. And I, like, retweeted him back to back. And I was like, is he talking about the same trade? Or is he talking about two trades at once? Like, one is Verona and Panic for Mantha which I think would have made sense even. And then yeah. the other yeah. one is a first and a second in what trade? Like, what is he talking about? And then I'm like, so then I just waited, waited for more information. Nothing really happened. And then I was like, can it be all that from Mantha? Like I couldn't believe it. I understand it a little bit from the capitals point of view. Like they get some cost certainty with Mantha um, because uh, Verona is a pending RFA. So they know what they've got Mantha for, but, and then obviously the second round pick, however you want to look at it is most likely just to take that panic contract off their hands because the capitals basically have no cap space. So they needed to get rid of that contract to even take Mantha on. So um, yeah, it makes sense. But like, honestly, honestly for the Red Wings, like Richard Ponick is probably like our best yeah. third line player now. Like yeah, he, he's, he's he going to fit us. in. I'd yeah. rather have him play third line right wing than Franz Nielsen. So like even take, you know, I'll take a second round pick to take him. He's not great, but it's better than what they had. So um the Red Wings got an obviously massive return uh, for Manta. I was stunned, realistically. I was completely stunned. I, I think Verona is is probably the same player right. as Manta. Like they are very similar uh, profiles. Obviously, size wise, they're they're a little bit different players, but um, from what he brings scored. to the table, yeah, like it's very similar. So I, I I loved it. It's it's tough to see Manta go, but I would like to see him succeed. And so far, he has. So let's talk about Anthony Manta here a little bit. Uh, obviously, a guy that we are very high on this podcast. Uh, he's obviously had quite a bit of success early on um, in Washington, playing with Nick Backstrom and TJ Oshie. Just sixty two percent on, so still available out there uh, if you want to make a move for him. But D, uh, obviously, a guy that we love. How much does this benefit him? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great move, right? Um, ending up on the second line, uh, certainly not the worst thing in the world when it's Backstrom centering it, and then you got Oshie on the other wing. 
Um, and you got potential to creep up on the top power play as well. Um, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but it wasn't really, um, or he wasn't really a guy that uh, I was, you know, afraid of uh, what the, the dip in the minutes would do with the trade because his shot volume was always through the roof anyway. So I think he can do a lot of damage uh, on a good team and with good line mates playing in a lesser role because he's still going to be able to, you know, shoot around three times a game. So um, I like him a lot. Obviously, like, like we talked about, I, I think he's in a great spot to reduce now. He's looked great. Um, you know, obviously in the two games that he's been there. So, um, yeah, certainly not a surprise, you know, but I, to see him hit the ground running the way he has, you know, it's uh, like you say, it's great to see for him. And um, to me, there's nothing um, that I can see from, you know, an underlying perspective that would hint that this is a fluke. And I think, you know, certainly um, we can expect at least some consistent goal production from Mantha moving forward in Washington. Yeah, I don't know if he was just jacked up for the trade or had a bunch of Wheaties that morning, but six shots in his opening game in, in just under 15 minutes. That's uh, that's pretty crazy, and that's great for signs of things to come um, for who he's playing around. Uh, I really like this pickup. I, I, I don't think there's anyone who's kind of, I mean, Taylor Hall, but there's really no one else who's who's, who's risen, dropped, risen again um that hard this year and and i think it's totally deserved but um you know obviously like I said small sample size two goals one assist in two games but uh i mean mantha's bound to just uh, there's just so many options in washington I, I just really love this move for them i think they i don't think you trade that much without realizing as a gm that this player is going to slot exactly where you need him to be and i think uh i think as fantasy owners um you you got to have this guy on your team yeah, like and just the fact that you're landing, like, and we saw last year, like, even while he was in Detroit, obviously had some success, and we saw that Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha was still one of the best five v five lines in hockey, um, at, at least in terms of generating scoring chances. So him going and now playing with um, Nick Backstrom and TJ Oshie, I mean, two very very good hockey players. That should be a line that should, that that should be very very strong at five v five, and even if he's not sniffing the top power play unit, uh, he should have plenty of success at five v five. Um, and, and I mean, it's a nice luxury to have when you've got, you know, Ovechkin ripping bombs on the top power play unit. Then you got Manta on the second unit. Pretty nice luxury to have if you yeah, are. If you're a goalie, you watch eight skate to the bench, you're like, whew. And then you just watch man 39 or whatever he's wearing over there. Step on. You're just like, my God, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> it can't be fun playing Washington right now. No, Philly, definitely Philly not. knows. Philly knows. <laughs> Philly's not having fun playing anybody right now. Yes. Um, but, okay, let's talk a little bit now quickly. Uh, Beebs, we'll go back to you first. You, you mentioned that Verona looked good the other night, did score a goal, busted out of the penalty box on a breakaway, sniped uh, on Kevin Lankin, and He's just 48% owned. Obviously, uh, the move from Washington to Detroit doesn't seem all that appealing immediately, but he was kind of you know, outcast this season for whatever reason in Washington. They weren't a big fan uh, of his game this year, and he – uh, you know, he was healthy, scratched for a period of time, uh, saw his ice time dip well below uh, what we saw kind of the year before. You know, he was playing 12 minutes, 11 minutes, 13 minutes some nights. Uh, he saw almost 17 minutes in his first game with the Red Wings, three shots on goal. Could You know, even though he's going from a better team to a worse team, could this still help his fantasy value? That's certainly intriguing. Like you said, uh, I mean, a guy playing 12 minutes going to a team where he's going to get almost five more minutes a game, it's just automatic. He's going to have way more chances, get more shots, block more shots, score more goals, get more points. It's just, that's just how it works. Um, might not have a better plus minus because he's in Detroit, but you know, we don't care about that anyways. Um, I'm not necessarily flying to get him. I'd rather have Mantha right now, but at the same time, I think if you have an open roster spot, definitely, definitely consider it. 
Um, it shows they're going to use him if they're giving him 17 minutes in his first game. There's clearly something there. And Detroit is actually kind of exciting right now. Um, Brock, I don't want to say this because I'm just scared of how you're going to react, but they are scoring a decent amount of goals. I, I do think we're seeing not a, not a decent, but I think they're better than we ever expected. Um, you know, there's certain things are working out there. Like we're seeing young guys, Zadina doing things just, I, I, I do think that this is better than Mantha in a, in a cold streak um, in Detroit after a while. So I, I don't mind Verona. I think it might be nice that he went from Washington to Detroit. He hasn't really been through the shit that Mantha has been dragged through for the last two and a half years. Hmm. Um, and that, that could really bode well for him um, realistically, because it did seem like, you know, Mantha was kind of dying out there. So, um, yeah, bring in a new body, uh, a younger guy and a guy who can pr- clearly score goals. Um, but again, I'm not like sprinting after this guy. And if you don't get your hands on him, it's not the end of the world. But, uh, yeah. but I, I, I do like him. Just to jump in here quickly, D, the one thing is the Red Wings are playing much better hockey. Uh, they've had their first three-game winning streak since the end, I think, of the 2018-19 season. So things are looking up. Uh, the one thing, though, obviously we're running kind of towards the end of the fantasy hockey season. And the one thing that I guess would be working against adding Verona here in the short term uh, is next week. The Red Wings do have four games, but all four of them are against Dallas uh, which are a pretty formidable defense. So maybe not the time to add Verona, but D, moving forward here, what do you think his uh, outlook is in Detroit? I think he needs to get on line with Dylan Larkin. Um, yep. I just think if Dylan Larkin's not your center in Detroit, you're just going to get cratered in at 5v5, um, and it's going to be really hard for him to do much of anything, although one of the best things um, – one of the best parts of his games is, you know, uh, really stretching the, the defense on any sort of counterplay. So <laughs> might get him an extra breakaway goal or two, like we've already seen uh, out of the penalty box there in his first game. But um, yeah, I, obviously, you know, we'd expect them to get on the top power play unit sooner than later. Um, but if he can't get at, with Dylan Larkin at 5v5, I, I think he's going to have a really tough time yeah. producing uh, and certainly isn't going to be, you know, worthy of a, of a roster spot in standard leagues. Um, if he's playing on the second or third line in Detroit. Yeah, the one thing that's interesting is the Red Wings. I don't know if it was just, I mean, Rasmussen's out, Fabry's out. So, or not Rasmussen, sorry. Uh, Fabry and, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, oh, Spechnikov. They're both out. So that opens up a spot. Those are two guys that have spent a lot of time with Larkin. And that's why we saw the Red and Wings. Adam Ernie isn't going to stay. No, we, we, we saw... Um, we saw them go with seven defensemen, 11 forwards yesterday. And we actually saw uh, Verona play about five minutes with Larkin. He moved up and, and kind of filled that role there. So he has seen some time. I don't know if it's going to be a permanent solution, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't think his short-term value is very good. It doesn't really help. Uh, but I think he is somebody that, you know, that could have a pretty nice season with the Red Wings next year. So uh, D now we'll go back to you right away Rock. here. Nick First Foligno. though. Are you oh. starting to sweat that D's prediction of Larkin might actually come true? Because I don't know, Mantha's one building block away from Larkin. There's really not much left. I think D's looking uh, pretty good. I mean, I think it's, I, I definitely agreed with D's idea. Like, I agree with the concept behind the trade. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I just think that, you know, you, you wait. Yeah, you don't strap the you, C on him and then. Yeah, like, you, wait, you waited to announce a captain for like two years and you're like, this is our captain. <laughs> It's just like, he's not our captain anymore. But speaking of trading captains, Nick Foligno goes from Columbus to Toronto. Uh, a pretty big haul for the Blue Jackets. You know, you really, we, we, we kind of gave a lot of flack to the Blue Jackets for, for what they did uh, with the Patrick Line deal. Um, but what the return that they got for both Nick Foligno and David Savard were massive. Uh, so Yarmo Kekalani did a good job there in those two deals. 
Uh, obviously quite a bit for the Leafs to give up to get Nick Foligno. Uh, but everything that's been talked about in the media about this deal is this guy's the perfect fit for the Maple Leafs. What do you think, Dean? Uh, he's certainly, you know, a, a solid addition. Um, I think a lot was made about the price and probably rightfully so when we saw some of the other deals that um, ended up happening for forwards on the, on the market. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of research that shows, for example, a late first round pick isn't more likely to, or you're not any more likely to hit on a late first round pick than a third round pick, say. So uh, I certainly think the Leafs buy into that way of thinking, and it's why they, they don't hesitate um, to move their first-round picks if it thinks it can really, you know, make a, a valuable addition and improve their chances um, in the given season. And, you know, Felino definitely does that. Um, would it have been my first pick? Probably not. Um, I think I still would have preferred Palmieri um, at this point in their careers. But, um, you know, Felino, I, I you got a guy that can move up and down the lineup, certainly. Um, you know, whatever you want to make of intangibles in the postseason and what, you know, character means. You know, can't find anyone um, in the league who has a bad thing to say about Nick Foligno. And, you know, obviously we've seen everything that's come out of Columbus um, since he's left. And I think that speaks for itself how much it actually is going to matter and play on the ice. I can tell you, you know, I don't think there's certainly any sort of lack of leadership on this Maple Leafs team at this point with guys like Thornton and Spezza. Uh, you know, Brody Muzzin that have made their way over in recent years. So I don't think you can make that uh, same old cliche remark about the Leafs. It's not something that was necessary, but um, like I said, certainly uh, a solid addition. Um, you know, does it, is it going to be the, the cause for their main concern right now, which is the power play and probably some inconsistent goaltending? No. Um, but yeah, it's not going to hurt their chances uh, in the postseason or, 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 you know, even down the stretch here at all. That's for sure. Yeah, it at least if anything, it, it pumps some fuel in the team too. The show, I don't think they had any questions, but management is clearly behind them right now, um, and that's what that's what you want to see. Just bringing another leader, like you said, go up and down the lineup. But fantasy wise, I could give two shits about Nick Foligno right now, unless he's taking Galchenyuk's top role on the top line there, which I don't think he is because Galchenyuk beasting. Um, then yeah, then. But great trade. I do like the trade. I just can't yeah, okay. more than I just, that. A couple more names to hit on quickly. Unless do you have anything else to add on Felino? No, I was just gonna say it's a like I said, it's a good addition, but is it you know something that puts them over the edge? I, I don't. Yeah, and I don't think they really needed like. Yeah, that's know, what I mean. I don't yeah. think this if yeah. you know if they do go on and win the cup, I don't think we're yeah. gonna look back and say, oh, you know, they picked up Felino and that's yeah. Four points out of first place. No need to do anything drastic. Sure. The thing about Nick Felino though is, like you said, the versatility is huge. He can play center in a pinch. We've seen him do that in Columbus. It, you know, if injuries hit down the stretch or whatever the yeah. case may be, he can fill any. Literally, he could play top line with Matthews and Marner, or he could center the fourth line. Like whatever you ask him to do, he's capable of. He brings basically nothing in term, in the way of offense uh, at this point. So obviously from a fantasy perspective, not a whole lot, but um, definitely a very reliable two-way player and will definitely help. Uh, Someone you roster. do not want to play against in the playoffs either. I feel like that's just a body that you do not want consistently. I feel, I feel like the Leafs had the Blue Jackets last year and they just saw him and they're just like, you know, we could, we could use that guy on our team. Yeah, that well, they liked his like, reaction when they blew the three-goal lead and come out one in overtime, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, just really quickly, I want to touch on three more names, and I just want to know if you guys have any interest in them at all. Um, first, Jeff Carter was a pretty surprising name that was on the move at the trade deadline, 24% owned. He goes from L.A. to Pittsburgh. Right now, he's currently centering the second line with Jared McCann and Jason Zucker on his wings. Um, he is another guy who is capable of playing both center and the wing. He's actually spent most of his time on the wing, so he is maybe a candidate to potentially 
stick around and play uh, with Evgeny Malkin when Malkin returns, um, or he could center the third line. Any interest in Jeff Carter from a fantasy perspective, Beeps? Uh, I do. The guy shoots a ton. Uh, he's, I believe, top 20 in the league in shooting. He's just having really bad luck out in L.A., but who isn't? L.A. isn't an offensive jug, but, you know, is a little bit of an offensive jug is Pittsburgh, and uh, I like having him over there. I definitely consider him as one of those guys you'll pick up for a night, um, slot him in, because I do believe he has triple position eligibility as well on Yahoo, which is beautiful. Thank you, Jeff. Um, but, yeah, I got some interest in him. Uh, like I said, if Malkin comes back and he's alongside him, that could be some sexy shooting coming from Jeff Carter. Yeah, I, you know, I think the biggest thing here is he played almost 18 minutes in his first game, right? And I, I think that um, speaks mm. volumes in its own, not only, of, you know, what, whether they think he can uh, center the second line in, in Malkin's, ab- or Malkin's absence, sorry, but um, also, like we say, the potential to potentially either slide to the wing with Malkin, you know, maybe move up and take Russ spot on the on the top line if they want to reunite Russ and Malkin. Um, so yeah, it gives them options and, um, really encouraging. Again, you don't want to forecast too much based off just one game, but the fact that, like I said, he played almost 18 minutes, um, more than, you know, he's averaged in LA over the last few seasons. So, um, certainly I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity here, but another guy that I, you know, I wouldn't dedicate anything more than a streaming spot to at this point, Mm -hmm. but a guy to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, okay, so there's a, there's a positive and a negative about their schedule next week. Uh, the po- or the negative is that it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So not great um, in terms of streaming. But Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, all three games at home against the New Jersey Devils. So definitely a game where the Penguins can rack up some goals. So I think he makes for a relatively interesting streaming target. Uh, he, you know, maybe those days don't work great. Obviously, but like you alluded to, Biebs, uh, plenty of flexibility in terms of what he offers from a position eligibility standpoint, triple position. So he might be a little bit easier to fit into your lineup on a busy Tuesday, Thursday or Saturday. Uh, Mike Riley, obviously a guy that nobody really talks about very often, but a guy that has been very serviceable throughout every single stop in his NHL career Uh, and realistically Pretty decent numbers. Not a single goal to show for his efforts, but 19 assists in 40 games with the Senators this year is not too bad. Damn. Uh, moves over to Boston, where they've obviously been dealing with plenty of injuries on the back end. No Matt Grizzlick right now. Um, he played. He's played 22, almost 23 minutes in his first two games with the Bruins. He has seen top power play usage. Uh, it's unclear exactly when Matt Grizzlick is going to be back. Uh, so if he continues to center that top power play unit, there, you know, you got to be interested there. I think he's worth an ad if you need D help immediately. They do have a game on Sunday. Um, and then if you look forward to next week, they've got four games, including three, three against the Buffalo Sabres. So, I mean, if you're, mm. I mean, the Sabres have obviously looked a little bit better as of late, but still that's a juicy matchup for three games. Um, and then they also have another game on Sunday. So a uh, nice Schedule coming up for Mike Riley and then PP1 usage while Grizzly is out is obviously uh, pretty appealing. D, I know me and you used to punt Mike Riley like it was our job in DraftKings a season ago. Uh, we obviously like the guy, what he brings as kind of just a, a defenseman that nobody talks about. Anything to add on what I've already said about Mike Riley? I, you know, it's funny because at the beginning of the season with Grizzly, like we jokingly speculated, you know, the potential for him really to just hold down. Um, that spot on the top power play unit because they haven't shown the faith in McAvoy to to let him run with it. Um, and there's clearly a, a, a vacant position there since Krug's left. So, um, you know, Grizzlicks, he's done fine, I think. You know, he, he's done a good enough job of just kind of being the, 
um, kind of the go-between when the lane isn't open for Bergeron and Pasternak to go straight across or March and Pasternak to go straight across to each other. Um, but if you would have asked me at that point, the beginning of the season, who's a better power play specialist, Mike Riley or Matt Grizzlick, I would have said Mike Riley hands down, right? So I think this is kind of the perfect move for him because uh, he goes into, you know, which, you know, historically over the last probably four or five seasons now has been one of the best power plays in the NHL um, with, like I said, a vacant opening. Um, yeah, and I, I just really think um, he could be a better fit than Chris Lick, and he's looked great there so far. He's got eight shots in two games. Like, he played, like you said, Brock, over 22 minutes more than we've really ever seen him get to play um, in his career. So, um, yeah, I think it's a lot of exciting things for Riley. I think he's definitely worth an, an ad because I, I do think there's a lot of upside here if he can hold down that spot. In addition yeah. to Grizzly missing off the power play unit, there's also just a, a huge lack of NHL experience on that blue line. And that's what they've been struggling with throughout the course of the season. So bringing in Riley is a very nice stopgap for them. And a guy that even if he loses that power play one usage when Grizzly comes back, which I'm not sure will even happen, he's still going to play massive minutes at 5v5. So uh, especially in the short term with that PP1 usage, it, it, it looks really appealing. Beebs, anything to add to quickly? No, just such a skilled puck mover. I mean, 19 assists on a terrible team right now just says so much about him. So I think I think with those abilities, it, it really is intriguing. So, so uh, oh, I'm glad we addressed this because I don't think people realize that Mike Riley is definitely fantasy rosterable. I, I think, like, honestly, nobody played Mike Riley more than me and D did last year. Like, we'd be like, <laughs> hey, who are, you, who, who are you putting on D think, Mike Riley? <laughs> Mike, every night, <laughs> Mike Riley is the answer. Ever since he went over to Montreal, and even his couple of years in Minnesota, he was pretty productive in some extremely limited ice time. So, uh, yeah, definitely been a guy that we've always liked and, uh, you know, been interested to see what he can do in a, in a more expanded role. Um, so, uh, yeah, now's the chance for sure. Yeah, this oh, is the opportunity. I thought D just liked him because it was two of like his best friends' names, so he's just putting them together. Never Mike guys actually get it. Uh, yeah, I also just enjoy how you know similar it is to Morgan Riley as well. I, that that used to me. So. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you just look really quick, and it is Morgan Riley. Yeah. Brock I never realized my favorite up, trade though. He put up forty-two points in his third year at the University of Minnesota in thirty-nine games. Ew. That's incredible stuff. That's um, but yes, we will start with you, Beeps, here in the final kind of fantasy relevant trade of the day and it became massively more fantasy yeah. relevant in the last day or so alarmingly De- relevant Devin, Devin Dubnik gets moved from San Jose to Colorado um I guess the one thing I should say first is that the Avalanche are so good defensively that they've actually made Jonas Johansson look mm-hmm. pretty decent so Devin Dubnik is probably the happiest man alive right now. He's going to try to resurrect his career behind the best, one of the best defensive teams in all of the land. Uh, so Devin Dubnik, he is up to 40% owned because obviously we're recording this podcast a little bit later than we Be want more. to. But Dubnik, um, Philip Grubauer, if you were unaware, was added to the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, he wasn't taken off today, which basically means that it wasn't a false positive. We saw on the same day, Nick Robertson was added to the COVID-19 reserve list. And then the next day was immediately taken off and played that night because of a false positive. So this leads me to believe that obviously Grubauer is most likely actually positive. Um, and that basically means he's going to be out for two weeks. Uh, yeah. It is kind of the, the rule of thumb as it's been going this year. So um, if he is out for two weeks, Devin Dubnik seems to be the guy that is they're going to roll with. Now, 
The other caveat here is the fact that the Avalanche game was postponed tonight. They are postponed um, their next three games, including tonight. So two games after until tonight. So yes, and, <laughs> until four twenty. So uh, they plan on reopening the facilities on the twenty first. Uh, at that point, they should be able to resume games. So uh, with that being said, at this current moment, he's forty percent owned. I wouldn't be surprised if that number comes down a hair because people are going to be trying to stream their goaltenders, and they're obviously going to drop the guy they just picked up who has no games. Uh, but Beebs, I'm ranting here, but. He, he looked pretty strong in his first game. 31 saves, I believe it was, on 34 shots. Got the really? W. Uh, as I mentioned, very, very talented defensive team in front of him. Obviously talented offensively as well. When they get back to play, if Grubauer is out, can this guy be a very, you know, a serviceable fantasy asset? Absolutely. And it's hilarious. You actually took my main going point. I was going to say that if they can make uh, Jonas, Jonas Johansson or whatever the hell you say that guy's name is, they can make him look good. Then they can make anyone look good. And not only did they make him look good, they made him look good with Dan Renfro and Keaton Middleton in the lineup, which those are two guys who I believe, I don't know about Renfro, but Keaton Middleton's been grabbed off waivers from Toronto. That guy, I've watched that guy play in the O. He's not very good. And then you watch him play in the end. He's not very good yet. They still managed to go, I believe led in one goal in two games with that lineup, which is just crazy. Now we got some guys coming back. Um, terrifying things are what's going on in Colorado right now because it seems like there's a lot of COVID going going wild there. I think Donskoy was added to the list this morning as well. Um, D's boy there, so that's that's not cool. But yeah, um, no, Devin he, Dubik. He, he's actually he he he's, actually was vaccinated. He missed yesterday's game because he was sick from the vaccine. So that's I think what he's it was. Good. Okay, so he's. I good. don't know he who got, was. They didn't announce who was added today. Uh, last time I checked, but it was Byram and. Gr- Grubauer originally. I'm not sure who the yeah, third was poor, yet, but poor Byron. But yeah, Devin Dubnik, that's okay. Devin Dubnik, 34 years old. So it's not really like he's past his prime. I think he's, well, he has past his prime, but it's not really like he's at that age where it's like too old to be a goalie anymore. Um, and it seems like he's just had some really bad luck in San Jose, uh, obviously this year, then obviously a terrible year in Minnesota the year before. Um, before that, though, pretty much perennial 920 save percentage guy. Um, I'm not saying you, you're going to get that from him, but all you want is 900 save percentage right now, and the Avs are going to win. That offense is so explosive. So if you're getting Dubnik, I think uh, I think it's a great time to grab him, um, especially with playoffs next week. It could not be a worse time to have Grubauer because you're kind of sitting there like, holy shit, this is not, not what we want. But if you can get Dubnik, you can at least put a Band-Aid on that. And, uh, and 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 you're going to get wins. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. Colorado's coming for that tr- president trophy. I think Dubnik's going to get majority of the starts, um, even even if JJ is healthy and feeling good. And they're going to they have said they want to try to roll. I think it'll be a 70-30. Also, finally, just to stop the rant. Um, Jared Bednar came out the other night said that they can absolutely attribute that win to Devin Dubnik. Colorado was was buried in their own end and they still managed to pull out a four, three win. Um, the guy stood on his head and you love to hear that as a fantasy owner. It means that they will definitely be going back to him. Um, and there's clearly the confidence there. So Devin Dubnik, um, I don't think there's at 40%. I was kind of mind blown, but I think you're right with the, with these COVID uh, layoffs, people are going to be scared. Also, when you look at him, you see as an under 900 save percentage, people are going to be scared. But um, for a guy who's going to win probably 70% of his next starts, I think we can say confidently, um, I like those bets. Um, you can't really get much better off the waiver wire right now. Um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I think he's a starter on a on the top team in the league. So you got it. You got you got a roster that if you can. To add to the rant a little bit, it, you were right. I, I I apologize. It was actually Eunice Dunskoy who was added to the COVID nineteen reserve list today. So I I don't know what's going on there. He missed yesterday because of the effects of the vaccine. Now he's actually who knows. I can't keep it. I can't make heads or tails of this virus. I literally anymore. just read the 
whatever pops up on my phone from like the eight different sources that give me and shake my head every time like oh, add another one and then it's just yeah. whatever so so um I, I think the one thing indeed i'll let you finish up here on dubnik but the one thing i think that we forget is just how good devin dubnik was uh for for the his entire stretch in minnesota you yep. touched on the age obviously getting up there but if he can find any of that game, um, it is just interesting. I love when goalies uh, specifically get traded from like, you know, they, he played in Minnesota, biggest rival with the Avalanche forever. And now he's the start, you know, basically the starter in Colorado. Yeah, I used to uh, hate it, this guy so much. Exactly. I'm, just, I'm a huge fan. Hilarious move. Uh, but D, anything, any closing um, statements on Devin Dubnik? No, I think you guys have pretty much covered all that needs to be said. Um, you know, we've seen it basically since, you know, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis have been playing together there that, you want to own um, Colorado's goalie in fantasy hockey, and they're never a bad start, regardless of the opponent. Um, and yeah, that's been true for probably four Except or five for Hunter Miska. now. He was bad. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. he was bad. <laughs> uh, but he was still <laughs> he was still worth the the roll of the dice. And uh, yeah, certainly feel the same way uh, with with Dubnik, and you feel a lot uh, better about it uh, given the pedigree as well, even if he's a little bit you know over the hill at this point. All right, so that's going to do it uh, for our trade deadline recap. Uh, I think we did a tremendous job there in 38 minutes, boys. But uh, <laughs> without pumping our tires anymore, let's talk a little bit about uh, some waiver wire targets. Uh, we, we basically focus on anybody below 40% owned. Um, and then instead of just giving you a list of names, we kind of focused more on uh, <laughs> categories. We're assuming you're in Roto Leagues. Um uh, category specific guy, like guys that can help you in specific categories. Maybe you were behind uh, or, or you just, you need help in that specific category. It's something that you struggled in throughout the season. So we focus a little bit on that, but obviously these aren't players that suck either. So if you're not, you know, if you're in a points league, they're obviously worth taking a look at uh, as well, because a guy that can help you in the goals category is going to help you in, <laughs> in a league regardless. So uh, Biebs, we'll start with you. Uh, who do you have pegged to help you in the goals category first? I, I thought I was crazy when I first put this down. I might still be crazy, but I'm picking a Buffalo Sabre because um, I'm clearly a Buffalo Sabre stan, as we've all seen this year. Um, I got Casey Middlestat, currently 5% owned out in Buffalo. Um, he is he has the six most goals in all of the NHL in the last 14 days, and that's beyond names like McKinnon, Matthews, Marchand, Panarin, and then obviously Connor Brown. Uh, five goals in his last seven games, six in his last nine, and he's been shooting a ton lately. One thing that's really helped out for this guy is injuries and the movement of the ball, obviously. We've seen Jack Eichel go down for the year. we got no Taylor Hall. There's someone has to step up, and why not the guy who you expected to step up four years ago do it? Um, so Casey Middlestad. I, I just like I like him right now as an option. He's in the right spots, um, and he's clearly succeeding um, with the pillars kind of falling around him. Um, he's not going to help you in plus minus, but again, uh, six most goals in the last fourteen days is is very good for someone you could get at five percent. Uh, you're not going to get value like that uh, very often. So um, for me, uh, middle stat definitely worth taking a look. Keep an eye on him. He's playing, I believe, it was eighteen minutes the other week, which was a uh, which was very, very nice to see. He's currently the top power play centerman. Um, you know how much we love top power play guys, even if it is in Buffalo. And Brock alluded to it earlier. Buffalo's looking a tiny bit better, which, um, you know, someone's got to score. 
Yeah, who knew that firing Ralph Kruger was going to work? Uh, they've looked much better without him at the helm. Uh, Casey Middlestad has looked good. There's been a lot of talk about how like the one like positive that has come out of Buffalo's disastrous season is the fact that they've been able to bring Casey Middlestad back up, and he's been able to kind of rediscover his game. So uh, good, good on him. Uh, tough couple of years there, but he's looked much better. Oh. Uh, just to add to your point, four B's- games next week as well. Four games next week. He has six goals, two assists. Um, in his last nine games, he has uh, played 16 minutes and 18 seconds per game over that stretch. But like you alluded to, he's seen a couple games um, over 18 minutes a night. So you'll have to see that. Uh, somebody that we talked about a little bit earlier, I'm going to talk about Craig Smith uh, out of Boston. We talked about how he is now on a line with uh, David Krejci and Taylor Hall, uh, a guy that you know has been – pretty reliable in terms of the shot volume uh, throughout the course of the season. And now actually throughout the course of his career. Um, And and then now he's obviously in a really nice spot next to those two uh, guys since the middle of March. uh, So for the last month, he has 16 points in his last 14 games, uh, but he's on a three game goal scoring streak right now, uh, four goals in his last five, a seven game or six game point streak overall heading into Friday. So um, he's looked red hot. He's right around 40% owned. So he's definitely not available in a lot of leagues, but that's not really surprising when you've got 16 points in your last 14 games, he's quietly going about uh, his business. So, Six goals, or sorry, four goals in his last five games. I think Craig Smith could see a nice boost in production here with David Krejci and Taylor Hall um, at his disposal. D, you got anybody to add that's going to help you in the goal scoring department? Um, I will. I, I guess I'll, I'll list a few here that I had kind of for goals and shots, just because I, you know, obviously they they lend into each other. At least in my mind, when I'm targeting goals, I'm going to look at the guys who are firing the most shots. Um, but Toronto, I think, is an interesting one. You can play both wings in fantasy, and he's still just about 24% owned. Um, and I think he's in the top 30 or, or top 25 league-wide in shots this season. So I'm um, certainly not a stranger to the podcast. Some might call him a friend of the show. Um, you know, I think even if he's playing down the lineup in, in Florida, if all you're looking for is shots, but Toronto uh, certainly uh, a worthy addition um and you know has the potential to certainly put the puck in that as well on the top power play unit which you know certainly a, a huge boost to the value um so like i said if you're just looking at phil's uh, the shot category but is a great pick but um certainly has the potential to you know pick up both pucks in the back of the net each week as well um as we move down the playoff stretch uh victor arvidson if we're going up a little bit more is at 48 percent out and then also dylan larkin is just around 50 as well so those two guys i wanted to mention um that down the stretch here i think you can rely on for a few goals and you know they're going to rack up the shots in the meantime um and then uh again going into shots here um someone that beebs mentioned for this very purpose earlier in the show i think jeff carter um is an interesting uh play here for all the reasons we mentioned earlier and i think he's uh at 24 percent owned right now as well so um like we talked about position eligibility he's always shot a lot no matter where he's been um, and who knows where he could end up in that lineup if uh, if Malkin does come back. So, um, yeah, there's some names to kind of throw out there for shots and goals. He's not really a guy that's known for shots, but just you talked about Florida there for a second uh, with Frank Vitrano. Uh, Nikita Gusev just made his Panthers debut last night. With Carter Verhage out, uh, he actually skated on the top line with Alexander Barkov. Um, again, not a guy that's really been – known for his shot volume, but he had three shots in 1754 TOI yesterday. 
playing with Barkov. He and Vitrano actually split time on the top power play unit. So both of those guys could potentially provide you with plenty of shot volume. And then obviously, like you said, D, uh, shots do often go hand in hand with goals. Uh, Biebs, though, if we're talking shots specifically, obviously this just kind of gives us another guy to talk about um, in terms of both shots and goals. But is there somebody that's shooting the puck a lot more than others on the waiver wire in your mind? Kevin LeBanc. Um, I got to say it. He's my Tim Hortons hockey uh, challenge guy. I pick him every night because of how much he shoots. Um, not scoring a ton, but at 13% owned and with four games next week, which is our first playoff week. Um, this is someone that is just in all positions to succeed. He is 23rd in the league in shots in the last 30 days. Um, that's among all players. He's playing first line power play line one um and there's just a lot going on going right here as far as shooting goes the stats haven't really followed it's kind of kind of reminds me of what was happening to jeff carter in la um just tons of shots not a lot of success but same time we're talking just straight up shots this is uh this guy's a beast out there um and he's the number he's basically the team Meyer of the first line now i guess that we used to see um just not getting the stats but yeah i like kevin LeBanc here 13 percent, and uh again 23rd in league shots in the last 30 days which is uh definitely if you're if you're singling out shots something you'd like to single out there yeah obviously another guy that's not super uh low owned but jack hughes 38 percent owned i just kind of wanted to talk about him because i cannot believe that we're talking about shots and jack hughes in the same sentence because <laughs> he's not a guy that's ever been known for shooting the puck but he's really changed his game recently uh Average time on ice in his last 10 games, 19 minutes and 50 seconds per game. In that span, 10 games, he's averaged or he's fired 30 shots on goal. That's an average of three shots per game, which over the course of an 82 game season is 246 shots. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Jack Hughes, but he has been consistently two to five shots per game uh, over the last basically month. And as somebody who looks at the underlying numbers every single day for these lines, uh, the line of Yanni uh, Kwokinen, Igor Sharangovich, and Jack Hughes is absolutely electric. They generate uh, about <laughs> as many chances as almost anybody in the league, and I can't figure out why. Uh, but Yanni Kwokinen, Igor Sharangovich, and Jack Hughes have been terrific for the for a, a Devils team that's not very good. Uh, so Jack Hughes, if he is available, just 38% owned, could put up uh, some numbers for you next week. Um, as I mentioned, they do have four games, uh, three of which, though, are against the Pittsburgh Penguins. One against the Philadelphia Flyers, though, and that's Ooh, always good for a night. couple, that's always good for a couple goals. Um, all right, D, you already mentioned your shots, guys, as well. So now let's turn our focus um, on to power play points. D, you got somebody that you're targeting from power play points? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, someone we talked about earlier, but I think Mike Riley definitely uh, deserves a shout here. Um, as long as he's on that top power play unit for every reason, like I said, we mentioned earlier. Um, certainly has the potential to chip in and give you some power play points down the stretch. Um, and then shout out to the Minnesota Wild, who apparently just have the best power play in the NHL um, since uh, basically over the last 30 days. They're far and away the best um, power play in the league. I think they're clipping at about a 35% um, uh, pace over that span. So um, really, uh, really impressive stuff from the Wild. And um, as you can expect, a lot of those guys that are, you know, getting the uh, – kind of reaping the benefits of that production or that power play production right now, they're available because they're Minnesota Wild players. Um, 
Marcus Johansson is 1% owned right now. And the guy has just been raking <laughs> in the points lately. Um, you know, and uh, another guy, Victor Rask. Um, and there's a couple defensemen in there as well that I think are, are worth a look. Um, but I know Beavs is going to touch on one of them when we talk about blocks and hits later. So I won't go into it any further than that. Um, but if I had to give you just one pick as far as forwards go, I would say Marcus Johansson because, yeah, he's 1% owns. Uh, seeing some decent power play time on a very hot power play. And he offers triple position eligibility uh, in Yahoo League. So um, decent shout there. It's crazy because yeah. for the first like two months of the season, they were by far and away the worst power play unit in the entire NHL. Like from like January through March, they were like 7%. Um, and they were below eight percent for sure. And then since the back. start, I don't know since the start of March, they're seventh best in the league, uh, twenty five point eight percent. So they've really turned things around. Um, and then, like you mentioned, D, in the last couple of weeks, they're like the best power play in the league. Um, the underlying numbers were always there, even when you watch the broadcast. The the broadcasters always say like the eye test. They were there, like they looked solid. They just could not score. It's kind of similar to what's going on in Toronto right now, right? Like that power play still looks pretty good. They just don't score. For whatever reason, but uh, they definitely right. do not score. <laughs> I can't get over it. I don't understand. It. Uh, but Pete, who are you targeting for power play points right now? Uh, I'm telling you, with a massive asterisk because there's a small chance he might not be playing next week. But there, if he is playing, I just I can't not mention this guy. He's been on previous shows for PPPs. Esper Brat out in New Jersey, 22% owned. He has four games next week. Um, as we mentioned, currently five goals, 20th on the season. Uh, is we, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, but this is someone who, who was quite intriguing. Um, it, it seems like New Jersey's kind of given their younger guys the reins because, I mean, what else are you going to do? Your season's just shit. Um, Jesper's Jesper has been kind of, he's been kind of doing quite well in that situation. Top 15 in power play points in the last 30 days. He has nine points in his last 10 games. This is basically a guy, if he is playing up, I have him on on a on a, in a deeper league. I want him in a league like that, well team league at least uh, at the end of my roster. Um, you know, it's it's someone who's proven he, he's a, he's the leading point getter for what it's worth. Um, so I do think they're going to give him all opportunity. So if you're looking for P, not much more you can find better than Jesper Bratt on your on on your waiver wire right now. Um, but then again, he blocked a shot last week and he is struggling right now so if he's not back next week uh he's got the weekend i think to to come back and uh if by monday he's not back there then then just completely disregard this whole minute and a half yeah i mean and if he isn't back though you can look to somebody like nico Heischer, who's back in the lineup now and on that top power play unit 24 percent owned so um if brat's not back that's probably who's going to be taking his spot um and i, I can't help believe I when he is back I can't believe I'm going to mention him twice in the same show, but Igor Sharangovich, also another guy that maybe uh, he's on that top power play unit as well. He's no. only 2% owned, and he's been a pretty reliable source of shots throughout the course of the season. He hasn't had too many games where he's going to fire like, you know, three, four, five, six shots on net, but he's going to be consistently right around that 2-3 range every single night um, and maybe chipping in a power play point while Jesper Bratt is out. Um, so, yeah, that... I, I, I just I can't believe that I've mentioned Igor Sharangovich twice in about <laughs> five minutes span. But good for Igor Sharangovich. Uh and it's just kind of a fun name to episode. say. Yeah. Uh so yeah. <laughs> um my guy for power play points, uh I, I obviously went first and kind of stole uh 
Biebs' thunder here, but Jared McCann uh, has been absolutely electric here since returning to the lineup mm. in the middle of March, uh, filling in for Evgeny Malkin as the second-line center uh, for a period of time. Now that Jeff Carter's there, he's on the wing. Uh, but 11 points in the last 13 games since returning for Jared McCann, five of those points um, so basically half uh, coming via the power play. He is on the top power play unit with Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Brian Rust, and Chris Letang. So Jared McCann, definitely a good source of power play points right now. Um, all right. For the league, does that count blocks and hits? Let's get into it. I'm just going to go first because my guy is the same for both of them. Um, and that's Jamie Alexiak. Really, nobody blocked more <laughs> shots. Nobody hits more than Jamie Alexiak. That's not true. Um, there's players that block and hit more than Jamie Alexiak. But nobody does both of them quite as well as he does. Uh, and Alexiak playing massive minutes for the stars uh, over 20 minutes on the season uh, recently he's been well over 22 23 on a nightly basis uh the hits the blocks have been a plenty for him uh the other thing though that's very interesting about him and, and he brought it to the forefront a little bit last year in the playoffs uh he's a guy that doesn't hesitate to get involved in the rush at six foot seven uh he plays with Miro Heiskanen at even strength so he's also capable of chipping in a couple of points as well. So that's why I really like him in the hits and blocks area here. I believe he's only 16% owned. They do have four games next week. And hear me out here. Four of those games are all against the Detroit Red Wings. So uh, should be plenty of opportunities for them to score some goals. Uh, that is neutral the zone. Yeah, so I I do like Jamie Alexiak here uh, to get involved in the hits and blocks categories next week, but also uh, he should be able to chip in a couple of points because he he does like to get involved in the offense every now and again. Uh, D, hits and blocks, who you got for me? Okay, really quick, um, Essa Lindell uh, in Dallas, something I wanted to highlight if you're looking for defensemen. Um, I think he's great up around 90 for both hits and blocks this season. Uh, he can chip in around two a game in each category. Um, and, you know, we, we know Lindell's game at this point. We know there's a ceiling to his offensive production, but he's really consistent in that regard. Uh, not quite half a point per game, but he's, you know, consistently around 30 points a season. Uh, and he's on a similar pace, you know, assuming they were to play a full season um, this year. So, um Similar to Alexiak, you know, can can definitely um, potentially chip in with a point or two here or there. Um, talked about how great the schedule is uh, next week, and Lindell is actually a guy who gets some power play time as well. Um, so, yeah, just on top of that, I think you can rely on, like I said, a couple of blocks, a couple of hits each game. Um, so he's a guy I think worth um, doing in that if he needs some help in those categories down the stretch. And it wouldn't be an episode of the Daily Faceoff podcast this season if we did not talk about Drake Batherson. Um, there he is. So, there he is. <laughs> uh, Batherson actually bangs. I don't know if you guys knew that, but he got 80 hits in 44 games this season. Uh, and I think he's sitting just outside the top 50. Uh, it must actually year, suck so. to play Ottawa. You got to take him and Brady TK. They're just freaking running yeah, at you I all the time. Now they're on the same line, there. too. Yeah, I honestly don't know if he goes out there looking to hit or if his team just never has the puck. So it's an, an inevitability that. when you're skating around that much that you're going to run into someone who has the puck on the other team. But um, yeah. He's going to chip in and give you some hits. Uh, we know he likes to shoot as well, which is, you know, why we like him. He'll give you a couple shots a game, uh, borderline a couple of hits a game, and, you know, he can chip in with a couple of points. And if he gets hot, like he did for whatever that was, what is that, a seven or eight game goal streak he had earlier crazy. in the year? Um, we've seen why – you guys have seen why we like him as much as we do. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to see that he does bang a little bit, so I had to give him a shout-out here. 
Yeah, I think they have a hot gun in Ottawa or something because those uh, those hit stats are crazy. Like, I, I got some. Like I said, questions. it helps when you never have the puck. It yeah, a lot of too. opportunities to, to hit the other team. He's he like, back on the top line with Brady TK right now, too. Yeah. So the chances for picking up points as well are even better than they were a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. you know, Brady, Brady TK is eating up those hits, though. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Brady TK is on pace to break the uh, the all-time hit record across an 82-game season. And then how's so. he doing in shots? Is hits and shots still leading the league? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a big lead on hits now on Gudis, um, which I guess I'll, I'll just work into mine. So for hits, I do have Radko Gudis, but he's 42% owned. So what I realize is that he is owned in every single hits league. Um, so that's kind of a dumb suggestion. So I'm going to step away from Radko, although I do want to mention Radko is currently on pace for 372 blocks across an 82-game season, 10 off of a – or, or eight, sorry, hits, 10 off of a record set by Windsor Alert Matt Martin, who had 382 just a few years back. Um, good for you, Matt. But I'll mention a quick throw out here to Adam Lowry at 19%, who knew that this guy also banged like Batherson D. He's got three games against Toronto next he's week. A so that, yeah, that means he's not going to have the puck a lot if he's playing three games against Toronto. He's also rosterable with eight goals and 12 assists. He's 12th he currently in leading hits. Too. Yeah, signed yeah. a huge deal. He's going to be looking to kill someone. He is, <laughs> he is eighth he is eighth in league. <laughs> he's got his. He's got so his tenure. Mad about all the money he has. Now. Yeah, he's got his tenure. He's safe now. Um, There's sixteen but, million dollars. I'm just. Gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go hit someone real hard. He's currently eighth Jesus. among all forwards and hits though. Who saw that one coming? Adam Lowry, nineteen percent owned. Take a peek at him. But gotta mention blocks because uh, I did, I was just gonna just skip over this and just pretend that no one ever meant no one noticed that I didn't mention a block guy. But Jared Spurgeon, oh, yeah. he mentioned that I had to meant, I had to talk about Minnesota PP earlier. So Jared Spurgeon, yes. four games next week. He's currently forty two percent owned, so he is very he is up there. But again, forty two percent for a D man is I don't know. I don't even know how to read D man owned percentages anymore. But five goals, eleven assists on the year, <laughs> seventy two shots on goal, and he is currently top thirty in block shots. If we chalk ten more block shots onto his numbers, he is top ten in the league. Um, that's just how close it is there. Um, for block shots so you're really um there's 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 a couple guys who are clearly ahead and above everyone for block shots but you're not going to be able to get them so getting someone like jared spurgeon who can you know kind of be a top just off the top 10 for block shots is not bad as well as him being a completely serviceable um d-man on your roster and playing power play minutes um, on what d said a very nice minnesota wild power play wow that hurt to say i hate saying that, that was <laughs> hottest power play in the league Ooh. all right so obviously we're not going to be able to help you uh, with the streaming targets for next week, but we've talked about it. If you are somebody that likes to stream, um, here's the schedules. I'll give you the teams that you're going to want to target that have the beneficial schedules next week. Um, all right. So starting off at least to open the week, if you want to stream a couple guys for Monday and Wednesday, here's who you should be looking at Arizona Monday, Wednesday against the wild, not a great schedule, but they do play Monday, Wednesday. Uh, you've got the Flames, so long as the Canucks actually return to play. Uh, they play Monday, Wednesday, Monday against the Senators, Wednesday in Vancouver if they play. They've also got a Friday game against the Canadians. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, they have three games next week, but they are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, they do come against all three of them against the Nashville Predators, who are playing much better as of late. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, only two games, but if you want to get some helpful streams in early from Edmonton, both those games are Monday and Wednesday. Uh, so you can get some use out of them. As I mentioned, the Minnesota Wild, they've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, uh, two games in Arizona, and then a game in Los Angeles for their Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So 
pretty nice looking schedule there for anybody you want to stream from the wild. We've already mentioned a couple of them. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, two games in Edmonton on Monday and Wednesday. Uh, Friday is in Calgary. The Predators, obviously, they have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule as well. All three in Chicago. Great schedule for them. Uh, moving on here, we've got the San Jose Sharks, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, but their Monday, Wednesday, Friday games are against all three of them against the Golden Knights. So not really something that you um, – are all that excited about uh, the Maple Leafs again, as long as the Canucks play, they are it Monday, Wednesday, Friday against the Canucks jets and jets. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks also Monday. Actually, they're just going to play every game until the end of the season. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. We just got to play the jets twice again next week, three times next week. Oh yep. my God. The Leafs schedule next week is Monday in Vancouver, Wednesday in Winnipeg, Friday in Winnipeg, Saturday in Winnipeg. <laughs> oh. Okay. Bro. Yes. Carry on. And then to finish off, it is the Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, they have to play the Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule against the San Jose Sharks. So the, out of all of them, I think the Vegas Golden Knights are the most appealing. Um, and players, just off the top of my head here, and again, I'm not looking at ownership percentage, but uh, Alex Tuck has just been absolutely sensational. That third line is is fantastic. I know he's yeah. probably not crazy high owned. Uh, no even sick. Tomash Nosek has yeah. been just absolutely red hot. Uh, they've been terrific as well. Um, I don't know if you want to go as far as to add Matthias Yanmark. If you're in the deepest of leagues, he is on the second power play. You're going to play on that line as well. Um, and then there's obviously there's your regular characters like Riley Smith, who are never all that high owned anyway. But um, that would be my favorite of the group. Obviously, though, you have a lot of Monday, Wednesday, Friday options. D, you look like you've got something to say. Hit me. I was just going to say Tuck is 45% owned. Uh, Nosek is 12% owned. And Riley Smith is 29% owned. Um, Riley Smith only 29%. In about three or four minutes, I heard you say at some point that Chicago has a half decent schedule. So I just had to take the opportunity to mention Pius Suter. And uh, we could probably wrap up the show at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be a DFO podcast without mentioning Pius Suter. But boys, uh, another fun episode as always. We just want to say good luck to everybody who, you know, if you've already started your playoffs, good luck through the rest of it. Um, if you don't start your playoffs until next week, best of luck next week. Congratulations on making the playoffs. Hopefully you can make a long run and win a fantasy hockey championship. Curtis of your friends at the Daily Face Up podcast. I'm your host, Proxy. We got Michael Bees, Bondi, Dylan D. Berthium. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And thank you, as always, to our friends at Jock Market and Odd Shark. Uh, we will see you guys back here next week. Enjoy the Blue Stones on your way. Hey, D, can't wait to see you in the playoffs next week. Peace. Are we playing each other? Likely.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.